Welcome everyone to another <clears throat> session here in the podcast that I have been doing for uh, Bible Lesson Sunday School, wherever you may be listening to it at. It may be on Sunday mornings, maybe Sunday evenings, maybe to, during the week uh, for encouragement. But uh, just thank you for joining me. Um, if you will, if you want to, uh, share it with others to kind of get them on the same page too and we can share this uh, podcast wherever uh, through Anchor. Uh, <clears throat> it has been great, uh, great, great app uh, to share and record. Uh, have to do a little bit more setup to get a little bit better quality out of it, but so far it's been, it's been uh, a good thing to utilize. And um, maybe it's something that I'll continue to do. Don't know that quite yet uh, with the COVID, but uh, may continue to do it because of the COVID, because of things uh, that is happening going on in today's society. I will uh, maybe uh, be encouraged to do it more, um, uh, but whatever God's will is, that's what that's what I plan on doing. So, but. Um, we kind of have a lesson here we got out of the lessons for living with hope in a broken world and before we dive into why do i need the church uh, oh so ever important lessons here for society we will jump into a quick little mini lesson here about how should i respond to politics hmm uh well always a great great lesson that we need to learn and as I was even studying it myself, I know I, I need to do uh, some things a little different too of how I look at society and how I look on how things are today. Um, this lesson falls in a very good place because not only of the things going on in society, but our own um, election that we have coming up this year, elections that have been going on throughout the year uh, with governor races, with local politics, to all the way up to the biggest level, the president. So uh, a lot of good, good topic. Uh, uh, this is a very good topic to cover, uh, to base it off of the other key points of elections. But how should I respond? How should you respond to politics? That's what we'll be discussing this morning. Uh, without all the other jabber and all that, let's get into the lesson this morning and let's discuss it. We'll be in Romans, if you want to follow along, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 10 this morning. And as we, as we go through the lesson, as we read these, look at the wording. Look at the wording and how it will speak to you. This is God's word. Uh, allow him to speak to you in a way that is uh, a good example, uh, as Paul wrote this, let it be a good example for you and how you should even respond to pol politics or political agendas that are going on, or even if you are in politics, if it's something that uh, might might reach to your heart this morning. But but with that, it, it it starts off with the question: What do you recall about your first experiences with an election? What was your experience on the first one? Well, for me. Um, uh, kind of notating on the younger crowd here, my first election that I could actually vote in was the 2008 uh, presidential election after I turned 18. Well, um, 
that was kind of a big election. Uh, we had Obama trying to be the first uh, black African-American president that America has ever seen. And then we had uh, we had uh, John Cain as, uh, trying to be on the Republican side. Well, that was when I took the moment to actually look into, and that's something I encourage everybody to do, is look into both candidates. Uh, whether Democrat or Republican, uh, that's a that's a, a given choice. Uh, whether you go Democrat or Republican, that is your choice. But uh, in this lesson, it's going to teach you um, different things to look for uh, from not only presidential candidates but government as a whole. And at that time of the 2008 election, I kind of looked. Uh, a little bit uh, more into what the agendas for each was, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat, what they were going to do as presidents, what they believed in, uh, what what their choices were. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into the debate of which is better, Republican or Democrat, uh, but this lesson should teach you as a whole as a whole, whether it be either party. So we'll look at that this morning. Um, again, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. We're going to start off with verses 1 through 4 real quick here uh, to discuss a little bit about what Paul said here. Uh, Paul, uh, looking at this, uh, he he's describing some things Um uh, like very, very important issues like we are right now in our country. Um, each side uh, in, the, in the political arena is convinced that they are right, whether it be Democrat, be Republican, conservative, whatever it may be, each side thinks they are right. Consequently, passions run high and the debate is often less civil as we have seen in the last few days, last few months. Uh, uh, anytime this happens, uh, we want everything to be peaceful. We want everything to go a certain way, but it has not. And there's a reason why. And Paul will discuss a little bit of that uh, in today's lesson. But in here, uh, as we may not like certain politicians... God, and Paul points this out, calls us to respond not based on emotion but with actions that honor government and its leaders. A love for Christ and a love for others is to permeate every way we engage in and express ourselves in the political arena. Um, and, and here, Paul was writing in, in uh, addressing certain things of Israel's rejection of the gospel in the times of where he was at the heart of the Roman Empire, and if you, if anybody studies history, uh, or not study history, I, I encourage you to study it. But in in Rome at this time, if you study back history, you know, yes, we have very bad things that are going on in our nation right now. But Rome was just as bad, if not worse. So go this time that Paul wrote it, kind of kind of correlates with some things that are going on today, but we need to see what 
what God says about it. And, and Paul writes about that this morning in, in Romans chapter 13. But uh, let's start off with verse 1 through 4 here. Let every soul be subject unto a, the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Well, here in, in, in verses 1 through 4, we have a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, language here that uh, can be deceptive of what people think in their own minds, but let's dive into what Paul was actually talking about going on in the Roman Empire at the time. If you imagine life in the Roman Empire was relatively peaceful, pleasant, and prosperous, think again. Uh uh, it's not it's not something just because it was back in history. The truth is that slavery, sex exploitation, violence, cruelty, graft, and corruption were common in the first century. It was a common thing that you seen all the time. You expected it as you were traveling through that that country, uh, that city at the time. And it was something that was so common that. It was freely open, as we see some of the open things that are of today. It was in the midst of all this that Paul wrote to admonish Roman believers, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Well, the phrase, the rule of law, is a reminder that every society must have some form of governance that guides the people and processes so we can live in peace. That's what we need to do uh, as our government, get together, have, have people in place and processes, laws, whatever it may be, in place so we can live in peace. That, that's the ultimate goal. But although the idea of the rule of law wasn't invented um, in the 1990s or per se when this first was used during... Uh, uh, on the news, it's at least as old as ancient text. Uh, that's, that's something that was used all the way back then uh, to put governments together to live in peace. And ask the question here, how have you seen government benefit you or your community? Uh, you may have uh, being a benef uh, in a governmental role, you may have been um, through uh, the cities or government or the county to see how government has benefited. I know uh, government gives out so many things uh, throughout the year, whether it be grants or 
uh, special um, uh, items to uh, help uh, the people, whether it may be, you know, better roads, it may be uh, uh, a law that needed to be passed, whatever it may be, you may have seen this, but if you haven't, I encourage you to uh, study up on some of the things that the government is trying to do in the local neighborhood to kind of get a grasp on what government is doing to benefit you or your community. Uh, hopefully, all of it is to benefit you. But unfortunately, governments are run by imperfect people. Yeah, that's so true. People think that just because uh, all the way up to the top of the presidency that they should be perfect. Well, you're not going to get that. Nobody in, in this world is going to be perfect, especially in government. Imperfect people will do imperfect things. At times, these imperfect things will go against God's will. Imagine that. A challenge like this confronted the apostles. The authorities arrested the apostles and instructed them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But the apostles told the authorities, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now this is not a loophole that allows us to disobey the government whenever it, see, it suits us. That's what we have to remember. Just because the government does a certain thing, or says a certain thing, that we should automatically go with resistance because it doesn't suit us to what we think. The Apostles' example is a reminder that we are to live in obedience to the government as long as the obedience doesn't cause us to sin against the will of God. If it's not against God, if it's not against the will, if it's sin, if it's not sin, then yeah, yes, we are supposed to be uh, in accordance with what the government says. But if it is against the will of God, if it is sin that people want to, uh, or, or is sin now, then yes, we shouldn't want to do it because that's who we are as Christians. We don't want to sin. But that, that goes to the question of how do we view these verses through the lens of our form of government? Whether it should be anything that we look at, not only government, but in our own lives and societies that we live in, if it is sinful nature, then yes, we should not want to be a part of it at all. But it's still going to happen, as we've seen all the way back when Paul was writing this. We should respond to the government with obedience. In the next verses, you, we will see and learn that we should respond to the government with integrity, respect, and honor. That's what we should do. That is our duty. It's not something that is going to... Uh, be in any other form other than what Paul, the apostles were talking about. If it's sinning, it's the will of God. If it's against that, yes, we should not want to be a part of it. But uh, verses 5 and 7 here, we'll see a little bit more over uh, instruction on this. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon the very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, 
custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Well, you know, as things may be difficult to do these things, we see here that our testimony shows up everywhere. As much as possible, Christians should be model citizens. We should show with example. And we are instructed to be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Our obedience to the government is is, is so important. And I'm going to give a little, I'm going to give a couple of points here, three points here that show us why. Why should Christians be obedient to the government that's in place? Whomever it may be. God uses the government to build us up. And that's what people forget, that uh, that God may not be in government. Well, that's that. Uh, if, if it is evil, we can see that they have chose not to be the will of God. But if they have, we see that he uses the government to build us up. The government's ultimate role is to look at after the nation as a whole and make provisions that support the well-being and prosperity of its citizens. Anytime you see a good governmental thing or, or gov governmental leader, uh, they have basically took I out of the factor. It's no longer about themselves. It's about the citizens and the prosperity thereof. That's what we have to. That's what we have to remember. Secondly, God uses our lives as a testimony of His faithful love and unselfish grace. The world is watching how we live, if you did not know that. Especially now, as we have so much technology uh, to see how we live as Christians. Some people may never read a Bible, so all they know about the character of God when they learn by watching the lives of Christians. They don't know no other example to go by. So they look at us and they see us in our daily, or uh, more or less, our daily uh, acts and use that to base on who a Christian is or how a Christian lives or acts or uh, their characteristic. Let me, ask you, let me stop right there and ask you if right now, this past week, uh, this is something that I have to ask my, myself on uh, a weekly basis. If somebody looked at me this week, knowing that I'm a Christian, what do you think they would think? Will they get the example of, of what we need to be as Christians, as, the, as God's Word has taught us and shown us to be? Or is it something merely different that even points them away from wanting to be a Christian because it contradicts of what a Christian truly needs to be? Well, that's how people see us. If they've never read a Bible, if they've never been in God's Word, then they don't know any different. When we live as good earthly Christians, people learn of the faithful love and unselfish grace of the Almighty God we love and serve. That's the examples that we need to give. And the only way of doing that is to be in God's Word. Thirdly, God uses 
the government for his purposes. God is working out his his uh, providential plan. We are sometimes so focused on our own lives and concerns, we forget that God is working all around us, even within the government. And we see society as that today. We are so concerned for our own lives with the things that are going on that we want to shut ourselves in indoors and not go out because of what's going on. Well, God is working all around not just in your own home. He's doing that. That's his will. Even with the government. And some people are like, wow, how can that be with the government doing what it is doing? Well, <clears throat> going on with Romans, we'll see that the, what we fight with is the powers and principalities that are all around us, the evil doings that is going on. But with this, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Um, <clears throat> leaders who choose to be away from God and God's views, um, we, we see uh, the acts thereof differently, but that's, that's where we go back with evil that we should not be a part of. So, uh, as we transition in the next verses, we also see that uh, we are to respond to political debates and disagreements with love. As we see and know that God is working within our government, just because they do something bad doesn't mean that we should go with hatred. We should go with evil ourselves because that is not what God has chosen us to do. That's not what Jesus done. That's what he was not trying to accomplish when he uh, went to the cross to die for everybody's sin. He responded with love, as should we in any disagreement and, and debate that is going on with political. Even though that we do not agree with the things that are going on, we should not do what some people are doing and just acting out in pure violence, evil against each other that is that is what the devil wants that is what he wants us to do and and some people choose to let that be the case but with verses 8 and through 10 here owe no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another have fulfilled the law if you go look at god's word throughout the bible you'll see that love is something that you put forth above anything love one another for this thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness thou shalt not covet if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in the same namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is fulfilling of the law well, there is true. That's the reason why Paul went back to uh, the Ten Commandments here to show that as an example of what we should be doing. It might seem that Paul changed the subjects in verse 8 from our response to government authorities to loving one another, but we should read these verses 
uh, in the context of how we should respond to government authorities also. Every system is made better when fueled by love. And no one is greater has a greater obligation than us as Christians. We should have that obligation of showing love to all. And that's what we should do in politics and in political debates and all this. Yes, everybody has the has the the ways of seeing society go uh, um, in a direction that is is, is pure evil and some things that might be so, but as Christians, we still should respond with love. Politics driven by love always seeks to do the right thing. Love worketh to ill to his neighbor. Or love no ill. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love seeks to do what is right by our neighbors. When our political action is driven by love for God and love for others, we will lose the selfish attitudes. It won't be about I anymore. It's not about me. Again, we were talking about the government should be based off the prosperity of its citizens. Our political actions must lift up Jesus and his examples. You, you see that when Jesus counteracted with, with uh, hatred and seen what people were doing to him, beaten, mocked, scorned, he showed them love. And that's what we should do also. Our votes must bring glory to God. We do this when we care all about the things that God cares about. And the only way to do that is to be in his word to know it. I know for myself, if I feel that I'm uh, drifting to the side of anger or, or hatred toward the evil that is going on, i got to get back in God's Word and see what He says to show the love that is needed. This also means that as Christians, we should never compromise our witness for a political agenda. Just because we think that if something is right for the citizens of our country or our counties or cities... We should not compromise our witness for uh, an agenda to get a political gain to get something done. It is right to support politicians when they support God's plan. If we know that they are for God's will and for God's word, then yes, we need to show support because that's what we need in our nation. Now more as ever. That's what we should be about. But at the same time, we must be willing to call out those politicians when they are wrong and show them an example. And people all the time, uh, I had this conversation this week, they, as we debate, I always tell, I told somebody this week, they were starting to talk about a debate between uh, someone and uh, what they believed in that somebody said wasn't right. And I told them, I said, in a debate, I said, before you even start the debate, whether right, wrong, whatever it may be, or what you're debating, hopefully for the right reason, you should have God's Word. You should be studied up in God's Word. That's the only way to 
show the debate to the right reasons is because if we are debating this because of and support of God's plan, then we need God's word to give examples to that plan. And hopefully out of it that the other person sees that God's word is the truth, is the way, the life that helps us. And what Jesus done is out of love. We must always serve God first. We should put that political agenda aside or whatever it may be aside and put God first and then it'll get better from there. How can love overcome political division among Christians? How can love overcome political division among Christians? Well, if we do love, if we do what we're supposed to out of love, then it will bring us more together than apart. As the point, I didn't mention that earlier, but for this session is reflect Christ and how you interact with politics and government. Use the examples that you learn from Scripture and what Christ done for us. That's how we should interact. Closely running out of time here. The question is, when it comes to politics, how will you reflect Christ's love? I hope in a good manner. I hope it is with love. But again, as some of the examples that I've uh, uh, stated in this lesson is to practice love. We're in a season of elections, so politics is a common topic of every discussion. At times, Christians may find themselves in, on opposite sides of an issue or debating with a candidate. Maintain love for others in your discussions and your debates. Plunge into God's word. The political issues we face today are not easy. Uh, some of them are just evil. But continually seek to be aligned with God and do so with love and humility. That's the only way we can do it is through God's word. Participate. Are you an active participant or do you just complain from the sidelines? This is a very good question. It is important for Christians to influence the discourse in the public square and political process. Get active and let your love for Christ be an influence. Don't be afraid. Don't sit on the sideline and, and state that uh, you're a Christian and you think this is right or wrong without doing something about it. Educate people. Show people. Let people learn God's word. Let them learn by your example to help them in such a in, in such a political process as we have today when it comes to voting. But with that, it is the right to support politicians in the issues we and we believe that they support God's plan. But at the same time, we must be willing to call out those politicians when they are wrong. We can never, 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 never just serve a political party or ideology. 
just because of what it is, we must always serve God first. When you put that first, when you put God first, when you put His Word first, you can't go no wrong because He's going to help you understand. He's going to help you throughout the uh, the woes and and defeat the devil from what he is trying to do because God knows that he's already defeated. As we live on earth, he knows that he's going to help us. With that, that concludes our, our lesson in how should I respond to politics is with love, with God's word, with his help. Uh, before... Uh, before we conclude, I want to talk about the, the study for next week. I know I'm running way over schedule with this uh, lesson. It's a good lesson, something that we needed to definitely, definitely go over. That's not that's very, very true. But our, our next um, introduction of why do I need the church and what we will uh, start going over in our next lessons. I think we have at least six sessions in that. And yes, we do. Uh, why do I need the church? I encourage you to, as we share these things, as we talk about these things and discuss these things, spiritual uh, spirituality uh, is not declining in America, but church affiliation is. If you have not seen the numbers of church, it is dramatically low. Not only because of what's going on right now with with sicknesses and and um, the uh, just different things that are going on right now. Even those who are spirituality is grounded in the tenets of Christian or Christianity may question the value of the church. Uh, church is important, folks. That's what we need church for. We hear things like, "I love Jesus, so why do I need the church?" Well, some of these lessons, some of these lessons that we're going over, will definitely point us back to the importance of church. Uh, such thinking overlooks the great truth of the purpose of the church. Uh, through faith in Christ, God gives us a new identity through Jesus and a new family in His church. Commitment to the church is a non-negotiable part of Christian discipleship. By neglecting the church, we will miss the great benefits and opportunities that come from being affiliated with and committed to God's people, that is, His church. In our study, we will explore Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian churches, or church. Uh, we were going to see how God's encouragement to these first century Christians still instructs our 21st Christ, our century lives today. And that's how about that? Uh, first century Christians gets the instructions that still apply to us today and correlates with each other. Uh, just because it was spoke back then doesn't mean it still apply. It does not need to apply today. It does apply it to us. During our time together, we will discuss the following more deeply. Uh, I encourage you to get ready for this because we are joined together. We pray for one another. We support one another. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another. We stand together in spiritual battle. That's why we will dive in and see why we need the church in our next lessons and why the church needs us, us Christians, to fulfill church. So that will be in our next studies coming up in our summer series. So I encourage you to get ready next week 
Um, go ahead and plan it out. Uh, I'll send out invitations to my recording uh, and share uh, the Audible app. <clears throat> you can download it from the Play Store or Apple, uh, 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 Google Play Store, whatever it may be, whatever device you may be, Audible is available. It is free. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, you can go on there and search my name, Jacob Parson, and you will see all of my recordings. Now, some of the recordings you'll see, the first couple of recordings, I'm kind of getting used to this, but uh, I encourage you to utilize this for podcasts, for lessons, uh, to help encourage you either throughout the day or the week. But again, I thank you for listening to my podcast.